is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Welcome to the Thursday Show Fantasy Football Today, the first of two episodes. Later on today, there will be your XFL special hosted by Dave Richard. Welcome, everybody. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard, with Jamie Eisberg, with Ben Gretsch. Of course, we have more Tom Brady news. Can't wait for him to actually sign. Got a big week coming up next week, huh, guys? We're going to actually uh, stop Maybe. speculating. Well, that's true. Hopefully. 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 You just heard from Jamie and Dave. What's up, Ben? How we doing? Good, man. Good. Uh, ready to talk about the NFC East and the NFC West. Did you know that? Russell Wilson has never given us two top 24 wide receivers in the same season. Last year was the closest with DK Metcalf being 30th in non-PPR, 32nd in PPR. Um, so there's that. Did you know the Giants had the third fewest rush attempts in the NFL? And they seem to want to be a ground and pound team. So we'll talk about those team needs. In fact, let's start with the NFC East. Who's the player currently on an NFC East roster? That has the most to gain or lose based on free agency in the draft. I think I think there's a case to be made that Zach Ertz has quite a bit to lose. We already know that Dallas Goddard's going to take a chunk of work away from him at tight end. We don't know how often the Eagles are going to use two tight end sets, but they did a lot of that last year. But Philadelphia has to They're address use a lot of two tight end sets. I know. I think wide receiver is going to be a huge priority for them, and that's going to mean more targets being spread out. Running backs will get their fair share as well, and Zach Ertz could end up being a disappointment. I think he's got quite a bit to lose. Carson Wentz, conversely, has a lot to gain. Yeah. I, I think Ertz already has lost that. Um, they have to bring Alshon Jeffrey back. They have to bring Deshaun Jackson back because of their contracts. They're really only going to lose Aguilar. I think it's already going to be pretty clear I mean, yes, they're going to add another receiver, and but like we know they're going to add another receiver. I think it's like already pretty clear that Ertz is going to see quite a big a bit of drop off from from 2019. My my pick would actually be Miles Sanders. The the Eagles have a lot of running backs that are free agents: Jordan Howard, Corey Clement, uh, Darren Sproles may retire, but is also a free agent. Um, so right now it looks like it's just Sanders and Boston Scott. So the caliber of running back that they bring in is going to be really significant for how we view Sanders next year. Or maybe don't bring in anybody. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's the Miles Sanders show. We're excited. We're all excited about it. Me, especially he gave me a fist bump at the Super Bowl week. That was cool. Uh, Zach Ertz, by the way, eight games with Alshon Jeffrey, 7.25 targets per game, seven games without Alshon Jeffrey. That includes games in which Jeffrey left early with an injury. 11 targets per game. I've given that stat, but worth giving again. You've right, also said sweep there. multiple times since the Super Bowl that Miles Sanders has given you a fist bump. You're you're going to keep reminding us of that. <laughs> like, like you guys are power. Are you texting now too with Miles Sanders? No, but I think I should probably make that my Twitter picture. You know? Uh-huh. But yeah, sure. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Uh, player with the most to gain or lose in the NFC West. Let me start with Ben Gretsch. Go for it, Ben. Across the the entire NFC West, probably. I mean, I like uh, Debo Samuel here as as the answer to this. I I mean, I really like what he did in his rookie year. Emmanuel Sanders is a free agent. Whether they bring him back or or what they do at receiver is going to have a pretty big impact because we know Kittle's there and is going to be there. Probably going to get a big extension this offseason. 
uh, and is going to be their their number one. But if they bring in a big second option, uh, I think you know Debo will still have you know his gadget plays and his, his rush attempts and the ways that they got him the ball last season. But it will definitely limit what we can project for him in this offense. Dave and Jamie, what's your pick for the player with the most to gain or lose in the NFC West as we get into the team needs and what these teams will be doing in free agency in the draft? I mean, I, I think it's the Cardinals backfield, you know, whether it's David Johnson winning by no Kenyon Drake coming back or Kenyon Drake losing by David Johnson staying if he resigns with the Cardinals, because you'd like to see just one guy there. But I think if it's three guys there with Chase Edmonds as well, could be a little bit of a problem. I still think Drake would be the best, but um, you know, having all three guys there could be a little bit of an issue. Could the case be made that all four backfields in the NFC West could have gain lose significant gain lose? Uh, they could all have <laughs> something to gain or yeah. lose, uh, kind of. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. Yeah. I, it's my first day speaking. Sorry about that. Um, the one that I was focused on was Seattle, where Chris Carson. 26 years old when the season starts, coming back from the hip injury. Yeah, it looks great because Rashad Penny has a torn ACL and, and the rest of the guys they have there are just, you know, average guys. But I see that I think they could draft somebody and that somebody could be a good player. Like I, DeAndre Swift would be an amazing fit there and could just knock Chris Carson into a part time role this year and off the roster next but year. But how do you draft a running back in the first? I mean, that could have to be a first round pick. Or even no, the second round, second round for the second time in three years. That just feels like a waste to me. They, well, they, I mean, there's yeah. there's need unless they bring back Marshawn Lynch and just say they they hope that you know one of those guys is healthy by the time training camp comes around to the point that they feel comfortable with their backfield because Homer's obviously going to have some sort of a role whether he's the fourth guy, the third guy, or or you know one of the top two could be a special team. But um, you know that they they got hammered. You know, it's it's not like the, this was by design. You know, they they thought they had their backfield locked up for probably a couple of years. But is Chris Carson? I mean, the the reports have been good about Chris Carson. Yeah, but but still, you know, this is now two of the last what four years for sure, maybe three years. When did he hurt his uh, break his leg? Yeah, uh, I think he hasn't been able to finish the season. You know, yeah. so there's a reason they drafted Penny. Carson exploded the year that they drafted Penny, which was great. But you know, it's still a situation where this offense. As much as we'd like it to change, as much as Russell Wilson's now starting to complain about it a little bit, I don't think they're going to change dramatically. So, you know, they need depth at that spot. So I agree with Dave. I think they're going to add a running back at some point. You know, it's 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 not going to be somebody prominent. I don't think it's going to be a first or second round pick. But I do think you're going to see a day three pick that they'll say this is going to add depth for whatever we need. You know, whether it's break glass in case of emergency like we saw last year or somebody that's going to factor in. Because... uh you know, how many years does Carson have as as a featured back for them? That's the question I'm sure they'll probably ask themselves as well. Did I mention we're doing regulators later, by the way? No, I you love did not. All right, well, we're doing the regulators later. Did I mention the milestone? Yeah, I mentioned that. But the regulators, that's coming up at the <laughs> end of the show. Let's do some news and notes. Uh, first, I want to promote our Facebook group. Still going strong. Off-season topics. Good uh, discussions within the Facebook group. I believe the URL is facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy football today but you can just go to facebook and search for fantasy football today it's never too late or too early to leave us a nice apple podcast review we'd appreciate that and let's hope march madness happens if it does we'll have the bracket challenge for you if you win the bracket challenge 
You are in the podcast league. Conference tournaments were starting to be canceled today. So, uh, yeah, you could right. I mean, you could still play obviously the tournament without the conference tournaments, but we'll see. But for now, March Madness, uh, <laughs> March Madness still going on, and uh, we have the bracket challenge. I put the link in the description of the episode. And I'll tweet it. You can email me if you want in. Obviously, you have time to make up your mind there. But any ties at the top of the standings will have to be broken by me. News and notes. Tampa Bay reportedly going all in on Tom Brady. Who's got Tom Brady fatigue? I mean, he's going to be back with the Patriots. You still think so? Yeah. Yeah, same. Okay. I'm not as sure. I would love it if he went to Tampa Bay. He was. I think his numbers would be good there. I think he'd be all right. You wouldn't, Jamie? I would love it. Um, I, it'd be okay for him. I, I don't. I wouldn't love it for the receivers. I'd rather they have Jameis. Yeah. Yeah. I want someone who can push it down the field more. Right. I, I, I got to be clear. I want to see Brady leave. Like, I think that would be a really fun storyline. But I just think all of this is going to be for naught, and we're going to see Brady back with the Patriots. Who are the Patriots playing this year? What's their who are their the other Dolphins, divisions? the Bills, and the Jets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are the other two divisions they're playing? Uh, they have... Do you have your big schedule lamination yet? Uh, you know, I don't have it yet because the schedule's not out yet. Right. But, the, but uh, we know who they're... But we know AFC the West, AFC West, and NFC West. Mm, okay, so he'll go to, go to the Chargers. Baltimore and... Uh, blah, blah, blah. Ten, uh, Houston. Houston. Yeah. Okay. He'll go to Baltimore. They need a quarterback. Uh, Green Bay released Jimmy Graham. He was actually third on the team in targets with only 60. 2016 and 17, he was a top five tight end, I believe, with the Seattle Seahawks. Is there any place on earth that Jimmy Graham could go that would make you excited about him in fantasy? No. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Alvin Kamara said that his leg was at 75% last season. And that, you know, that's that's 25% less than it should be, I think. So, hmm. was my fantasy <laughs> picks were at 75%. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty good. Well, what do you make of that? He was a top five running back, Kamara, in 17 and 18. And then in 2019, he was 15th in non-PPR and 9th in PPR. The same thing I've been saying. He's going to be a great pick on the first round because people are going to be upset about what he did last year. I, I mean, I completely agree. This, this is the new, like... Uh, injury that I think we really need to monitor, I think, like bigger picture, is a high ankle sprain from running back. I mean, it's not new, but high ankle sprain from running backs and how it impacts their explosiveness and impacts their ability. And the fact that he's coming out and saying this, that's something that we were talking about during the season, that he didn't look right coming back from that high ankle sprain. Same exact thing with Saquon Barkley. Didn't look right for a, a period of time. And then late in the season, when he got healthier, Barkley closed really strong. I mean, I, it's just like you're going to get a free discount on any player that had to play through this injury, especially at running back where you need that agility and you need that, you know, that burst that, that the high ankle sprain saps. I think the biggest thing, though, is that those guys came back earlier than they probably needed to. What is what was it that Barkley I'll, I'll said? Remember, because Barkley was six to eight weeks uh, initially and he came back after three. But what was it that he said at the Super Bowl when he I think you talked to him, right? Didn't he say that he had a different injury after he came back? Or that he re-aggravated the old. Like I think he came back. He said he was okay. Oh, Barkley. Yeah. Yeah. Barkley said he re-aggravated. I didn't. I didn't speak to him, but okay. we did on uh, on HQ, and he said he re-aggravated the ankle injury. Right. Uh, okay. Miami releasing Rashad Jones. 
Oh, actually, can I go back to Kamara for a second? Because you say, you know, he's going to be a great pick in the first round. The question is where? I think I've seen him as early as four, fifth, you say? Mm-hmm. I got him sixth. Not going to fight with anybody over fifth. Okay. Just one wide he, receiver. He, may, he may jump up if McCaffrey does hold up. Really? Kamara himself might hold out. Is McCaffrey really talking about a holdout? There's some rumblings in Carolina about that, yeah. Uh, I would say Kamara's going to be a steal at six, by the way. And, and like, I don't think necessarily it's an argue, like a bad thing to have him ranked back there, but I think that's a really good value. All right. Miami releasing safety Rashad Jones. They now have the, well, they, they continue to have the most salary cap space in the NFL and a ton of draft picks. The Texans are going to let Carlos Hyde explore the free agent market. Does not look like he will be back. Your take on, uh, on that? Uh, he can go with Jimmy Graham. that's big news I mean we'll see who ends up with Texans I'll uh, say it again Houston can address their running back group in free agency they don't have to spend draft capital on that position they don't have a first round pick Melvin Gordon makes a lot of sense yes that would be that would be fantastic the Texans will not bring back cornerback Jonathan Joseph and Rob Gronkowski is close to signing a deal with the WWE according to Fox Sports Dave, how do you feel about that WWE man? Haven't watched. I've I watched the Royal Rumble this year, and that's really been about it. Would you watch Gronkowski if he went to AEW? Sure. Don't even know what that is. Yeah, the people who do and understand what I'm talking about, they they know, and they're with it. Okay, <laughs> let's move. On. Let's move on to the team needs and start with the NFC East. We had three of the top 10 teams in pass attempts in 2019 in the NFC East, which, you know, would ordinarily mean a very exciting division. And then we had the Redskins, who ran the ball more, most or they were up there in rush attempts. And uh, they were bad, obviously. Lowest scoring team in the NFL. And that's where we're going to start. We're going to start with the Washington Redskins, as I have to remember who I assigned. Jamie, you have the Redskins. Mm-hmm. Uh, team needs for them, and who could be most impacted on the Redskins by offseason moves? Um, they need everything. That was the easy team to do. Well, uh, do they? Do they need a quarterback? Maybe. I, I don't. I don't know what the new coaching staff wants to do. I know what Daniel Snyder wanted to do last year, but you know they have the opportunity if they want to take a quarterback to take one or two um, at, at Tua. Um, but yeah, they they need tight end. Obviously. Uh, you know, with, with Reed no longer there and Vernon Davis retired, they need some receiver help to help Terry McLaurin. I do like Steve Sims. I think he's a, he's a good third receiver if that's his role in the slot. But I think they need another receiver to help complement McLaurin. Um, running back's about the only thing that they should be okay at if Geis is healthy. And then um, Dave's favorite fifth-round pick and Adrian Peterson. Um, Fourth. But uh, otherwise, you know, they, they have a lot of holes. I mean, it's, it's clearly a team that has a lot to fill. So and Bryce Love, shout out Bryce Love. Well, who's got who's, who's got the Bryce most to gain or lose <laughs> uh, on this team? You know, who's in a position to have their value really change? I mean, if they were to get a look, there, there's two guys that are going to get drafted across the board uh, in McLaurin and Geis. After that, it's a crapshoot. Um, you know, Peterson makes some sense with a late round pick. Thompson and PPR with a late round pick, but if they add significant receiving uh, depth 
that could impact McLaurin. Thompson would have to resign to count here. He's he, he is a free agent, and I just a hunch that Jay Gruden might give him a call to join him in Jacksonville mm, for a year. Hmm. I yeah. realize he was unrestricted. And there was that report that it wasn't a report. His Brown Rivera said he was going to use all three of those running backs, Love, yeah. Peterson. Yeah, what do you think of that? No, it sucks for fantasy, but it makes perfect sense for Washington. You've got I, guys whose knees keep getting hurt. Bryce Love is coming off of a devastating injury, and Adrian Peterson is 33 years old. So 35. Okay. I was trying to help him out there. Make him <laughs> a little younger because it really doesn't matter once you're well past 30. So mixing them up and using them all, it's probably going to be what's for the best there. But it's going to suck for fantasy. By the way, Dwayne Haskins, he threw uh, seven interceptions. He threw three of them in his first game, and that was off the bench. And he threw another one, and then in his seven starts, he actually only threw uh, three interceptions. I don't know. If but he, did he didn't he, throw a lot. Yeah, I don't think he ever threw 30 attempts. I, once. I definitely think Dwayne Haskins could still be good. He's somebody we don't know a lot about, and I think he played well enough with a really young receiving core, especially late in the year. Uh, Jamie mentioned Sims, but also, you know, Kelvin Harmon and, and McLaurin, they're all rookies. And they're, that was basically his, his top three receivers late in the year. I think he played pretty well. We could, we could see some promising things for him, but I don't know why teams don't try to draft or, or have two young quarterbacks. Like I actually wanted Arizona to hold on to Josh Rosen last year. Like it's so important to get the quarterback position, right? Why not have two and let them compete it out? I just, I don't get it. I, I still think Washington should draft Tua and then see what they have. They got two good quarterbacks. What's wrong with that? I agree. Yeah, I, yeah I, but then you're passing up on what could be a generational pass rusher in that regard. And that's just the beginning. There's going to be a million questions about, well, who's going to be the starter? And is this guy ready? But that, Can that, you trade that, that, that guy? That, that you deal with, though, if, if you feel comfortable about the one guy who's going to eventually take that job. And then you hopefully do what smart teams do if you have that type of capital as you trade it. But, you know, if you're – Ron Rivera's not taking that job to, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I would assume to – take five years to, to turn this franchise around. He's taking this for, for a one or two right. year turnaround and then hopefully be competitive and then see what happens from there. So I would imagine, you know, he, it, it, you take that job with the hope that Dwayne Haskins is the guy. And I agree with Ben. He played really well the final three games of the season by comparison to what he was doing earlier in the season. And look, he threw 50 touchdowns at Ohio state. That doesn't happen by accident. You know, it's a, that's a big school. It's a big program. He was great in, in his, uh, his one year there. He just got off to a terrible start in the NFL. And so, you know, we'll see how he does with a full offseason with a new regime and hopefully uh, some better weapons. What was Tim Tebow's high for touchdown passes? 50. Passes? Yeah. Oh, uh, only 32. He had 50 total in, in 2007. I don't remember how he threw. 32. Why am I bringing that up? Obviously, same, similar offense. I mean, yes, the Urban Meyer sort of offense. Uh, totally different players. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay, Dallas. Eight and eight, second place in the NFC East, sixth in scoring, and uh, Dak Prescott had a huge year. He was second in six point or in four point, fourth in six point per passing touchdown leagues, and uh, just he was terrific. Uh, Dave, what do the Cowboys need this offseason? Well, do they have a quarterback? Probably for at least one more year because they can franchise Dak Prescott. It'll cost them over just over thirty three million dollars believe that would make him the highest paid player for 2020 uh, if they give him the exclusive franchise tag, which it sounds like they're going to do because they can't give him a long-term deal because he turned down what would have been the richest contract in NFL history. You go, Dak. So he'll probably be the quarterback there. You know that they're set at running back. 
with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Wide receiver, Mari Cooper's a free agent. And so if 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 Dak is franchised and there's a new CBA in place, Amari Cooper will be a free agent. He can shop himself everywhere. If there's no new CBA, they could theoretically give Amari Cooper the transition tag, make it harder for him to leave Dallas while giving Dak Prescott the franchise tag. Randall Cobb is also a free agent, which means that if they both leave, Michael Gallup is entering his third season. He'd be their most experienced receiver uh, on hand. Behind him, it's Devin Smith and Cedric Wilson. They've got 45 career catches combined. Wilson's kind of interesting as a dynasty stash. Six foot two, had fifteen hundred yards at Boise State. Maybe Kellen Moore is a fan of his because of that. But big questions at wide receiver for Dallas, especially in the slot. Jason Witten is a free agent. He could be on his way out. Here's another dynasty sleeper. Blake Jarwin could be their primary tight end. I checked his numbers. Past two seasons, 75.3% catch rate, eleven point six yards per catch, eight point nine yards per target. And he only played thirty-eight point seven percent of the snaps last year. So he's got some room to step up if Dak is the quarterback and the offense still relies on the tight end, and especially if they only add young players at wide receiver, Jarwin can end up being maybe one of those late-round tight end guys that you pick up, stash for a couple weeks, see what happens. Hmm. So if Dak comes back and Cooper does not, is it more of a positive for Michael Gallup or Blake Jarwin or more of a negative for Dak Prescott. Ben, where would the impact be felt mostly? Would it be with, with Gallup or would it be with Dak? I think it's both. Um, oh. I, it would be a negative for Dak, but it would be a great opportunity for Gallup, who I really like. And I think he can be a legitimate number one. But regardless, I mean, now Dak's not working with two really good downfield weapons, which was what made him so uh, so productive last year, you know, he was a lot more vertical, a lot more air yards in the passing game and both Gallup and Amari, you know, showed that that ability down the field and had some some big games. So, yeah, it, it would hurt Dak to not have another weapon in his offense. But I think it's huge for Gallup. And if Witten's gone, I do. I agree with David. I really like Jarwin as a I think he'll end up being like a sleeper tight end, like in the in the mold of, you know, guys like we were talking about Darren Waller this time or I mean, not this time, but last fall before the season. I think he will be considered something like that. Jamie, how far would you drop Dak Prescott? He's sixth right now for you. He's fifth for Dave. He's fourth for Heath. How far would you drop him in a uh, if he does not have Amari Cooper? Probably close to 10, but it depends who they add. Because you, you see a lot of mocks where uh, C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy you know, could be in the mix. So if, if that's the replacement, that's pretty good. Uh, it's not Amari Cooper, obviously, but it doesn't necessarily crush him. Okay. Oh, I think if they, you know, once we get past the draft, if Cooper leaves and they don't add somebody of significance. You know, they're just sort of backfilling with, let's say, Randall Cobb, who's got a history with Mike McCarthy, obviously. Um, then then that hurts Dak. You know, we saw what he was pre-Amari Cooper, which was good at times. Um, but, you know, you have to assume that his numbers don't necessarily have the same ceiling. Ben, let's go to the Eagles. They went 9-7. and seven. They won the NFC East. They were 12th in scoring. They this is their points per game though the last three seasons Super Bowl year they scored twenty eight point six points then twenty two point nine last year in two thousand eighteen and then twenty four point one in two thousand nineteen so give me the team needs for the Eagles and also which player could be most affected although I think we we covered this everybody yeah. named Eagles at the top of the show so give me the the uh, team needs yeah offensively I mean they uh, they're 
they don't have like a, a ton of glaring ones. I mean, definitely receiver, right? But I, I think that's been overstated a little bit. Alshon Jeffrey almost certainly will be back. It would cost them a ton of money to cut him. I guess suppose you know apparently they could probably trade him, but um, I don't know that that will happen. Deshaun Jackson, they is another guy that would cost them money to cut. So you know the cap savings would be negative. So I don't think those guys are you know going to be gone unless they are dealt. You still have Ertz and Goddard who, yes, they're going to run two tight end sets and they're going to use both of these guys in the passing game. So I actually think their passing game is a little bit more full up than um, I think most assume. Uh, but, yeah, they're going to add to it. They are going to add a, a third receiver. Nelson Aguilar is a, a free agent. I expect him to leave. Uh, but, the, uh, yeah, I just don't see that as a major issue. They, they got to figure out uh, what they're going to do with Jason Peters on the offensive line. And they have more needs on the on the defensive side. A cornerback is a big one that, that has been talked about a lot this offseason. But running back is the one that that you know I'm really looking at. Is it going to be Miles Sanders and Boston Scott and just a you know minor additions, or are they going to bring in someone significant like Jordan Howard last year who could take a lot of the early down work? Because we saw what Sanders did at the end of last year when he was the like nearly the every down back. He was awesome, but we also know that the Eagles like to use a committee. So if they bring in someone somewhat significant, then, you know, I, I think Miles Sanders, you could rank him anywhere from the back end of the top 10 to maybe he ends up being more like RB15 to RB20 if they bring in someone significant. So uh, he's the one that's that's a big deal for me. They'll tell the truth about that in the next month and a half between free agency and the draft. If they don't spend significant capital on that position, then you know exactly how they feel about Miles Sanders and you should feel confident expecting a big workload from him. How good is Alshon Jeffrey? I've always liked Alshon Jeffrey. I think he's just productive. He just finds a way. You know, he'll score a touchdown or he'll have a big he'll have a lot of yards. Well it's not always the prettiest, but like he's he's reliable. And you look at his numbers, forty three catches, four hundred and ninety yards, four touchdowns in ten games. It's not really that great, but he barely played in week two. He got hurt in week 14. He had a combined two targets in those two games, you know, and he got hurt in both of them. So 490 and four in eight games. Well, all of a sudden that's 980 yards, eight touchdowns. And um, that's not that bad, but I I don't know. I I feel like he's capable of being certainly a thousand yard receiver and he can probably lead all, well, he'd lead the receivers in touchdowns. I don't know if he'd have more than Ertz, but where are you guys on Alshon Jeffrey right now? Uh, I like to argue with Heath about him, but I guess I'll get your takes today. I think he's a number three receiver with a chance to be a starter for you when he's healthy. That's just the problem is he's, you know, always battling these injuries. You know, what was the shoulder injury a few years ago? He had the the, the knee and the ankle problems. Um, it, it just seems that he's at this point in his career where he's always going to be hurt. So, you know, it's almost like you, you probably think of him or maybe you should start to think of him like you think of Will Fuller and guys like that, that you just don't know when you're going to have him. When you have him, he could be great. Um, it's just the 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 lack of staying on the field is, is, is problematic. And then again, what are they going to do to enhance their receiving core? You know, is it somebody like Robbie Anderson who comes in to replace Aguilar, but would essentially replace one of those two guys as the number one receiver, whether it's him or Jackson, however you view those two guys. So I, I think, you know, Jeffrey, A, he's got to be healthy, start a camp, and then B, you know, just kind of have to approach it the right way. I'm going to be out on him. I think most people are, unless you just get him at the right price. Well, for me, that would be like round 11, round 12. So you're taking Adrian Peterson over Alshon yes. Jeffrey? Yeah. As of now. Now, wow. if he makes a miraculous recovery from his injury and Philadelphia doesn't add much at wide receiver, I'll change my tune. But 30 years old, broken foot, trade rumors, 
won't be the number one receiver, even when he's healthy for the eight or nine games that he plays. I'm I'm going to spend my picks on other players. Okay, last team is the New York Giants. And, yeah, I did find it interesting that they had the third fewest rush attempts in the NFL, but then you look at the time of possession, they were fourth worst in the NFL in time of possession. I'm sure, they wanted to run the ball more, but this team, when you look at their needs, Jamie, well, I'll let you obviously give the needs, but but obviously defense is a bigger need than offense. But Oh, lines, though. Yeah, certainly a tackle. But I do think that this could be a team that if they can make some improvements on defense, it would shape their philosophy a little bit more. Um, but where, where do you see the Giants right now, and who could be impacted the most? I mean, it's it's kind of similar to what we talked about with the Vikings the other day. This Their skill positions are, for the most part, set. You know, um, there's really not a number one receiver, but there's three twos, essentially. You know, I think Slayton's got a chance to step above the other two uh, based on what we saw last year. But, you know, it's hard for him just to command uh, a significant amount of targets when you're sharing the field with Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate and Evan Ingram. It'd be nice to, you know, I'll tell you what their biggest need is getting getting Evan Ingram on the field for 16 games. You know, if that happens, then I think he could be a a elite tight end. Um, But, you know, running back is 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 certainly solid. you know, finding maybe a, a capable backup better than Wayne Gallman would be nice, but you know, not the, not somebody's going to start in fantasy. Um, Daniel Jones is interesting for his sophomore season because he runs a little bit. We saw what the upside could be. You know, some of those games last year, like that week three game against Tampa Bay, his first start. Um, you know, so there, there's a lot to like about this offense. It's just that I don't think outside of Barkley and Ingram, there's a clear cut starting fantasy wide receiver there. There's guys that will be sort of. This week you use them, this Who's week they fave? don't, unless one guy sort of Who's stands out. But the one that you might be the most excited to draft could be Slayton because of the upside. Yeah. Shepard is nice and safe in PPR. And Tate could be a good value. And Daniel Jones will be a, a an interesting late-round pick for people to <gasps> consider having as a second quarterback in a, in a 1QB league. Daniel Jones, 24 touchdown passes as a rookie. That's pretty good, and... Baker Mayfield has the record. He threw 27 touchdown passes, 14 games for Mayfield, 13 starts in 2018. But Jones missed a couple games with an injury, didn't start the first two games. So 24 touchdown passes, that was great. But he had four huge games. And every other start he had, he didn't score 20 fantasy points. So was not reliable. Just beat up on terrible teams, basically. Ben, you, I know you, you, know, you love doing projections. When you, this is a strange team. With Ingram, with Slayton, with Tate, with Shepard, the fact that they were, gosh, I don't know if there were any games that they were all healthy for, uh, all four of those guys. Plus, oh, there were, I don't think there were any games where all four of them plus Barkley were healthy. So, like, are they going to be one of the most difficult teams to project in 2021? Or wait, what yeah. year are we? 2020? That year. Yeah, I think it'll, it'll be tough. I, I, I mean, we had a similar situation coming into last year, though, and I, I I'm pretty confident if I looked back, I'm pretty sure what I did was I just wound up projecting, you know, Ingram, Shepard and Tate pretty close on, you know, Tate had the suspension, but pretty close on a per game basis for targets because, you know, that's that's on the high side for a tight end. You know, I, I think Ingram will compete to lead the team if he's healthy all year. Um, but typically receivers get targeted more just naturally. And then um, Shepard and Tate were on the high side, but then now obviously you have Slayton as well. I, I think, yes, Slayton has upside, but he's more the downfield weapon. And with Shepard and Tate and Ingram all being kind of more underneath, I would project Slayton for fewer targets, but a higher 
you know, yards per target, yards per reception, more explosive plays. Um, but I would probably think in terms of just raw targets, he would be, you know, further down fourth on the, on the totem pole and maybe fifth, if you consider Saquon Barkley's targets, but yeah, it'll, it'll be a challenging thing to dole out those targets. It'll be one of those situations where it's like, you're not comfortable with really anyone's projection. All right, we'll go to the and NFC West. Still, still dealing with the Liz Frank injury too, which thinks. Uh, to the NFC West, we got the Seattle Seahawks. They were 11 and five, second place in the NFC West. Ninth in scoring, third in rush attempts, and 23rd in pass attempts per game. They've talked about you know, Wilson saying he wants to uh, go no huddle a little bit more. I think he said he certainly wants to throw the ball yes. more. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Let Russ cook. Dave, uh, this is your your squad here, Seattle's team needs, and who has the most to gain or lose? Well, this is going to be really easy. We already talked about Chris Carson having quite a bit to lose. And honestly, running back is the only position that I think is a significant need for Seattle at this point. Quarterback, they're set. Wide receiver, you got Lockett and Metcalf as their top two guys. They could probably use a third receiver, but they might take a page out of Philadelphia's playbook now that they've got Greg Olson. Will Disley can come back. Jacob Hollister's there. They could roll with a lot of two tight end sets. And even if they don't do that, they can add a six offensive lineman. They've done that a bunch. They could add a fullback. That would keep two receivers on the field more often than they would use three, four, five receiver sets. So I'm not sure if a, a if a receiver is a huge need for Phil, for Philly for Seattle this year. So they might be pretty set there. Uh, except at running back, I expect them to add one player there and offensive line. They they need a new starting tackle. Fidi's a free agent. They're probably going to let him go and probably need some depth there. We're, we're, you know where they really have a need is on the defensive line. Oh, yeah. Pass Blount is a free agent. Ants is a free agent. I think Jerron Reed's a free agent. So those are three of their four starters on the D-line. They're going to need to address that. Did you mention Clowney? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, that was the first name you said? Yes. I, they Their pass rush is, uh, is bad. And, and that's another team, like like with the Giants, where – Wilson threw the ball. I think he threw the ball a little bit more this year. And if they, you know, if they improve their defense, what kind of offense are they going to run? You know, are they going to do what they typically do and just kind of pound the ball? But he obviously doesn't want that. And like, just let the, just let the guy throw. He's like the best quarterback in football, basically. And it could be so pretty so if that pass rush just doesn't get better and the defense isn't great. And now they're trailing in games and the run game is a question mark. We could see Russ having a big, big year. There's there there is some excitement, and I, I I would hope that that's this happens for Seattle that they let Russell Wilson do his thing. Maybe they're they don't have a choice. Maybe they have to let him throw more. And yes, I know um, Mahomes is better than Wilson, but that might be it. You know, up for debate. In terms of a better quarterback, just pure quarterback play. Yeah. Who do you guys think the second best quarterback in football is? Wilson. Just from a passing standpoint, yeah. Just like the who, the, give me the two best quarterbacks in football. Um, Philip Rivers. <laughs> I'd yeah. say Mahomes. I still take Breeze. Right. Dave, uh, I think I, I, I think I would take Wilson over Breeze. I, I think I think Wilson would be number two. Wilson Does- is just so incredibly accurate down the field, which is just a great fit for DK Metcalf, and and. Like, yeah, I love that he's now talking about passing more. He needs to pass more. Uh, and I agree with Dave. If there's any potential that he comes anywhere near a career high in pass, uh, pass attempts, 
he's going to have a huge season. Just he's always been a very efficient passer. He's super, super accurate and, and now has more weapons than he's had in a lot of years. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Greg Olson. And like Dave said, still has some some other tight ends and Disley and Hollister that are that are, you know, decent weapons, especially when they're, you know, you know, your fourth and fifth receiving options. I mean, I really like what Seattle has in the passing game now. And if they're willing to actually let Wilson open it up the way he creates uh, time and, and how accurate he is down the field, he could have a huge season. Is there any question, though, he's the fourth best fantasy quarterback right now? I've got him sixth. Sixth? I've got him sixth. To me, it's about the upside with Murray. Deshaun Watson having upside. Lamar Jackson is second for me. I still think Lamar. Yeah, no, I think it's Mahomes, too. Mahomes, Jackson, Watson, and, and Wilson. Those are the top ones. Sure. Well, listen, if Dak loses Amari Cooper and Dallas doesn't do a whole lot to replace him, that's an easy one to put Russell ahead of. And then Kyler Murray, if, if Arizona just doesn't do anything interesting for their offense, then sure. Russ could go ahead of him there, too. What yeah. round for Russell Wilson? For you guys? I mean, quarterbacks are always so league specific. So I, I think you're talking he's going to go after. He's, he, I know you have him ranked, but he's going to be most likely the fourth guy on the board. So that would mean in a regular Joe draft. He's probably round three. But you don't like that. I wouldn't do it, but I understand why people would. Would you do round five? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the thing about Wilson is when you take a guy that early, a quarterback that early, round five for us is pretty early. You have to ask yourself, does he have the potential to be the number one quarterback in fantasy? And this might sound strange because he was the number one quarterback in fantasy in 2017, I believe. But that was one of the lowest fantasy point totals for a number one QB that we've seen in a very long time. It was a fluky number one finish. I think Tom Brady was number two that year. Uh, I think the answer, unless they change their offensive philosophy, I think the answer is no. I don't think... Well, that's a huge unless. That's carrying a lot of of weight in that sentence. Because he's talking about throwing more. And the reason, if they don't change it, he shouldn't be drafted top five. Because you're right, he wouldn't have anywhere near that upside. Yeah, but he's pretty safe with his efficiency. Okay, uh, but this is a stat I wanted to give just real quick. If you just combine Will Disley and Jacob Hollister, which is not really that unfair because Hollister wasn't doing anything while Disley was healthy, uh, combine those two, they were a top eight tight end. Eight in non-PPR, seven in PPR. So, Greg Olson? Yeah, probably not. All right, let's, let's, go to our, <laughs> let's go to our next team. It is Ben's team. It is San Francisco, 13-3, first place in the NFC West, Super Bowl runner-up, second in scoring, second in rushing yards per game, fourth fewest pass attempts per game, but second in yards per attempt behind Tennessee. So very efficient when they threw the ball. And uh, what do you think their team needs are for the 49ers, and who has the most to gain or lose? They have quite a few team needs, and you know, there's even some talk about you know Brady to San Francisco and Garoppolo being gone. So, like, there's the the range of potential things that could happen with the 49ers this offseason is pretty wide. Um, I I would suspect that Garoppolo will be their quarterback next year. Uh, obviously, this team you know was very good last year, and it's not a team that we need to um, poke a ton of holes in, but they do have. You know, a philosophy where they rotate a lot of players at a lot of different positions, particularly on offense skill positions, um, and they're, they're, they have needs. So uh, Emmanuel Sanders is a free agent, and they're they're definitely needy at wide receiver. Debo Samuel, late in the year, it was, you know, just Kittle and Sanders and Samuel, and Debo Samuel is now pretty much the only wide receiver that we can lock in there. Um, and then at running back, Raheem Mostert looks great. Jarek McKinnon, definitely a cut candidate. 
there is some dead money there, but they they almost certainly will just move on from him. Um, and then you have uh, Matt Breida as a restricted free agent. They already brought back Jeff Wilson. And you also have Tevin Coleman, who has no dead money and could free up some some um, some salary cap. So Please we could potentially see them just decimate their running back core. Get him out of here. Get Coleman <laughs> out. Free Raheem Mostert. Please. But they will still do a committee. I mean, even if they did that, and I don't suspect they'll let all of those guys go, but even if they did that, they'll still do a committee. I mean, they like last year, I think there was four different backs that at one point or another played the most snaps in that backfield in a game. Like it, it's going to be a thing where you're not going to get a starter and a lead back for 16 games. It's just never going to be the way that, that this offense is going to be built. Well, I'll go back to the, what Kyle Shanahan said at the combine that he used to think that having four running backs was a luxury. And then he realized that it's a necessity after what happened to their team. Yeah. But don't you think based on what happened to his team, he should just like let one guy do all the work and just save the other guys, you know, like just conserve them or else they're all going to get injured. Okay. But then which is the guy, the one who was the best and most or the one who kept giving starts to in Coleman? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I, I think Mostert has earned it. Or the one who was the best in 2018 and Brita. I mean, he was their stud in 2018 and he was a popular sleeper coming into 2019. Yeah. Bumbles. Uh, it changes year over year. It, yeah, it's frustrating. Um, so Garoppolo, extremely efficient in terms of just yards per attempt, but he doesn't throw the ball that much. And sometimes that goes hand in hand. The more you throw, the harder it is to be that efficient. But we, we even saw it in 2018 when their quarterbacks were garbage, McMullins. And the yards per attempt still really good. So what do you think the chances are that they open things up a little bit? They start throwing more and we get unlocked potential from Garoppolo. I think it's significant that they open things up more, that they're going to. Because Kyle Shanahan, I think, is tired of this. We can't throw. He can't throw. You know, he's a cocky guy to the extent of he'll try and prove people wrong about Garoppolo. And we saw it in 2017 when he came to the 49ers. He was good. We saw it in the first three games before he got hurt in week three in 2018. He was good. And so I think adding another piece to the offense is, is, is a big part of it. You know, whether it's keeping Emmanuel Sanders, which doesn't seem likely, or just bringing in somebody else, you know, getting Jalen Hurd back, I think will be a, a nice piece. You know, he got hurt early last season. Um, but they need to add another receiver, you know. But I, I think you'll see potentially better numbers for Debo Samuel as a receiver. And I think you'll see that they'll open up the offense a little bit more. To 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 what extent that remains to be seen, but I do think that Kyle Shannon is going to sort of let Jimmy Garoppolo prove himself a little bit. Kind of a contrarian take. I like it. I think it's definitely possible. But they were just so good running the ball last year with a you know scheme wise and so many different running backs that they used, and Kittle being such a good additional blocker at the tight end position, probably the best blocking tight end in the league. Um, you know that is kind of their their bread and butter, but. I don't think Jamie's like off his rocker bringing this this potential up. I mean, I kind of like it. Off his rocker. But uh, I'm concerned that the defense is going to be too good and that San Francisco just had a formula that was good enough to get to the Super Bowl by running the football quite a bit and leaning on that defense to make plays. So how much more, if the defense is making plays and they're running the ball well, they're going to hand it to Garoppolo and say, okay, just do your thing to have some fun out there. They They had success with Garoppolo when they needed to throw the football. They didn't need to throw the football all that much. Yeah, that's kind of the problem. It's like they will go a whole game and run 40 times. They did it multiple times. You know, yeah. they, I remember they did it early in the year against Cincinnati. They did it again a couple times later where they just, if they're running the ball well, they'll just keep running forever. 
And it sucks because I, I want to see Debo Samuel play great. I love his talent. And I want to see Jalen Hurd break out. And George Kittle continue to be amazing and play like Rob Gronkowski. But I just don't know if that's the, the DNA of that team. Well, let's talk about the DNA of the Los Angeles Rams. Nine and seven, third place in the NFC West. They were 11th in scoring. Yeah, they, they struggled. Nine and seven, I think, kind of respectable considering it just we saw it unplay, uh, play out, it unfold. It was a disappointing year for the Rams for sure. Uh, so Dave, no, Jamie, sorry. Jamie, uh, you got the Rams. What are their team needs? Who has the most to gain or lose? I mean, their, their fantasy assets are kind of locked in, you know, which, unless they move on from Brandon Cooks, which I don't think is going to happen. I know there's talk about maybe trying to trade him, but who's going to trade for a guy coming off, you know, multiple concussions and down production with that contract. So you know what you're getting from, if healthy, Cooper Cup and, and Robert Woods. The question becomes, is Todd Gurley right? And so, you know, uh, Sean McVay, he had his talking points prepared because I heard him say it three different times. He said it at the podium, he said it on our set at HQ, he said it on another set, wherever he was talking to, that people were talking about the, the management of Todd Gurley. He said it was no different than what we've done in previous years. And we were trying to make sure that he was fresh for game day and all these things. Um, clearly, he was not the same guy, whether it's the knee, whether it's age, whether it was blocking. You know, if there is a need, it's offensive line. Um, but otherwise, you know, they're, they're not changing their personnel. Uh, I think the only big thing would be from a fantasy starting standpoint is Tyler Higby the guy, especially the guy we saw at the end of the season, or is it Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby sort of cannibalizing each other a little bit where Everett was starting to build some momentum early in the season and Higby just sort of took that mantle and ran with it and was much better than Everett but can all these assets sort of sustain the same value in the passing game with Woods with Cup and with whichever tight end is doing a thing remember they don't pick till 52nd and they only have six picks 52nd 84 104 126 199 and 234 they made their bed last year or two years ago I guess you know but you know they went for it they they had the Super Bowl run, and now they're sort of managing with big contracts and you know veteran players that um, you know hopefully can still get the job done. Yeah, and they gave up. Look, they gave up stuff. For, they gave up. I don't remember what it was for Watkins, but then they did it with Cooks, and then they did it with Jalen Ramsey. They're in a little bit of trouble here, I think, and they got to sign Jalen Ramsey right to make that yes. worthwhile. Mm-hmm. So I I think that you you could look at it and say it was mismanaged, but did get them to the Super Bowl, so you know they went for it. I guess give them credit for that. But uh, I mean, I think it's it's a bit of a scary time. I mean, I wonder just your overall thoughts on the Rams going forward. Are they look this time a year ago? They were a young up and coming team with the with this head coach that was a genius. All you had to do was know him, and you were going to get a job. <laughs> so, but things look so different right now, Dave. What what do you think about the Rams? I think they're going to be in a bunch of games where they're going to have to throw, which is sound. It sounds crazy. But, but no, let's that. broader, broader picture. Like, do you believe in the Rams offensively? Do you believe in McVay? Do you believe in this offense? Yeah. Passing game for sure. Run game philosophically. Yes. If they, especially if they add talent on the offensive line. Yeah, they have to reinvent themselves a little bit because they got exposed in the Super Bowl. It carried over to last year. 
you know, all the creative stuff that McVeigh was doing sort of was got a little bit. But they did that. Uh, not not so much. I don't know. They started involving tight ends a lot more in their offense toward the end but of the didn't, year. But it didn't help their offensive production. I mean, they were still okay. a, little, a little bit stagnant by comparison. Well, they were a lot stagnant by comparison. Right, because they know, didn't so, make the playoffs. That's true. Uh, but at know, least so they were doing I, some different things. I think that's why you saw the whole overhaul of their coaching staff. You know, part of it was everybody leave or the guys who left. You know, I, I mean, you make the case. Zach Taylor being the, the biggest name who left. Um, but, you know, the defense got stale. It wasn't as good. The offense got stale mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, so McVay wants some new voices in there. It's his boys. It's guys that he's worked with in the past. And so, you know, that's a big part of it. But um, th- this is a team that I think and, and, and look, McVay's I'm, I'm, I'm going to give him credit. He's smart enough, I think, to go back to the drawing board a little bit, which is why he made the changes to, to sort of change things up a little bit. But um, and to your point, Dave, yeah, they, they had to you know do a little bit different. Part of it was personnel because Cook's not being there, you know, so it allowed them to open up things a little bit with the tight ends. But uh, if everybody's healthy, do all these guys fit for their fantasy production? That's the question for us, and we're going to have to find that out. One more team, Arizona, 5-10-1, last place in the NFC West, 16th in scoring, only 22nd in scrimmage plays, but also just second-worst time of possession in the NFL. So they need the ball a little bit more, although you got to figure they're going to want to go fast and maybe they could be a good offensive team with still a low time of possession. But Dave, you uh, you got the Cardinals here. Finish us off. Team needs and player that could be impacted the most. They got to get better in the red zone, and a way to do that would be adding an alpha at wide receiver. I mean, no disrespect to Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald, but I don't think they're necessarily number one guys. Fitzgerald at this point in his career, um, they've got three second year receivers. Andy Isabella has speed. Hakeem Butler has size. Keyshawn Johnson's a, a solid all around type of receiver, but I don't know if any of those guys can be a number one. And I, I you know, you see CD Lamb linked to the Cardinals because Kyler Murray played with him at Oklahoma. It would actually make sense. I just don't know if I like them doing that without moving down first. But if they got him, I think that would make their passing offense a little bit more um, intriguing. Who cares what they have at tight end? They don't really use the tight end. We talked about David Johnson already um, and Kenyon Drake. Drake's a free agent. If they franchise or transition tag him, it's at least $10 million for 2020. It seems like a lot for Drake. But David Johnson's on the books for $14.1 bucks. If they cut him, they got to they gotta spend even more than that. It costs them an extra $2 million against the cap. So if they trade him, the cap hit is only $8 million. They'd probably have to pay a little bit more than that for his salary. And they wouldn't get Bup gets for him in trade. And he's 28 years old. Uh, when the season starts, he'll be 29 when the season ends. I, I hope that they can find a new home for David Johnson and that David Johnson can give us something in fantasy in 2020. I hope Kenyon Drake's home is Arizona. I hope he's their lead back. And I hope their offensive line gets a little bit better. They finished the year fairly strong. Part of it was because they were just healthier than a lot of other offensive offensive lines along the league. But their center is a free agent. They'll need to replace him. And DJ Humphreys, uh, he'll play tackle. I just wonder if they'll move him to right tackle if they spend a big draft pick on a left tackle. Ben, which offense do you have more faith in? The Rams or the Cardinals? No, oh, that's a good question. I offensive lines, a, a huge concern for both. And I, I think probably the Rams, cause they've done it more recently. Um, but I, I still feel pretty confident about the Cardinals, but for both of them, if they can't address the offensive line, they could have another really disappointing season as well. I mean, it's, it's two offenses with upside and, and uh, you know, downside, you know, we saw both not be, Quite as good as expectations last year, I would say. Um, 
But yeah, Arizona is really interesting. They have that huge issue at running back. You know, when you get a quarterback on a rookie deal, typically that frees up space to add a lot of talent around him. But they have just—they're going to just have lead the league in, in cap hit at running back by a ton if they do anything to bring Drake back, because they can't really get rid of David Johnson. So it's gonna—it's gonna, you know, make things a little bit more challenging from them. But yeah, I agree with Dave. They need to add offensive line help. It would be really interesting to see them add a receiver after they added three last year, but he's probably right that they could use a, a legitimate number one. Maybe they're hoping Hakeem Butler can come back after being on IR all last year and be that guy, that big body guy. I mean, with Fitzgerald back and Kirk and the three young guys, are they cutting one of the young guys already? Right. I mean, there's, that's five guys there, and, and and how many of them are actually playing significant roles on special teams? Yeah, they I, they might think Butler can be that big big body guy on the outside. I mean, I don't think Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson did enough this year to really be super optimistic for next year. But I still like Isabella long term. I think both those guys have potential to help out Isabella more so than Johnson. Adam, there's some news. Oh, the Deion Lewis news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Deion Lewis. See ya. Cut. Okay, great. That just. Fantasy react? opens the door for them to draft a running back who's going to be like Derrick Henry, and then they use them both it's to try and like, take some work off of Henry. It's going to be like Derrick Henry or going to be like De- Deion Lewis? A physical, powerful running back like Derrick Henry. Cheap Deion Lewis. Maybe we'll get 10 more catches from Derrick Henry. That's what they should do. 10. They should give him 50 more. 50? Yeah. Uh, let me ask you guys this. Go around the room, Dave, Jamie, Ben. Would you rather have Jared Goff and Cooper Cup or Kyler Murray and Christian Kirk? For fantasy? Yes. I'd rather have the Rams guys. Same. And I'd I rather love- have the Cardinals guys. But you're a huge Christian Kirk fan. I'm a Kirk fan. Uh, I think Murray has way more upside than Goff with his running ability. And I like Cooper Cup, but I'm not... like I, I think Robert Woods is going to be one of the best values in drafts this year. I'm not convinced that Cooper Cup is like their best fantasy receiver you know, going forward. All right, then let's regulate. Send us your commissioner questions, your league disputes, fantasy football at cbsi.com. This is, ooh, I don't even have a name on this one. I'll get the name. Or Dave, you can make up a name. Tito. Tito says, everything comes out during the off season. We have a question about collusion. Uh. Uh. Thank you, Ben. First place play, this was a mid-season issue. First place player needs a tight end, and Hunter Henry just became available. Remember, this is the middle of the season. It must have been after Henry was getting back from the injury. First place team is up against the last place team. The last place team also needs a tight end. And the last place team is a first-time player who doesn't know what he is doing. Here's the question. The fourth place team sees this. He notices the last place team is first in waiver wire order, and he tells the last place team to take Hunter Henry knowing it'll keep him away from the first-place team and may give a loss to the first-place team. Is this collusion? Does it matter that the first-place team won anyway? Does it matter that the last-place guy had no idea what he was doing? Um, does that matter You know, does that matter for the intent of the fourth-place person? What do you think? Yeah, the it's collusion. The collusion is one team helping another team without getting something hurting. back in return. Or, right, or, or hurting another team, sure. Like if you're at a position on the waiver wire where you can't get a guy that you want and then you go to a different team in your league and tell them to get that player so that it blocks 
your more direct competition from getting it, there's almost no more perfect definition of collusion. That is well, very But obvious. then what about when people are like, hey, set your lineup. Your, your tight end's on a bye. That's a little different, I think. Is it, Ben? Is it? <laughs> I mean, setting your lineup is a very, <laughs> like, specific thing about fantasy. I mean, the, the league that I've commissioned for, uh, you know, been the commissioner for for two decades now, we have specific rules about setting lineups and if it's not set, how that gets addressed. Um, but, like, that's because setting your lineup is different. There's no rules like that for waivers. Okay, so we all agree collusion? It's collusion. If you want to get around this, you, you go to the team that's first on the waiver order and you say, hey, there's a guy I like on the waiver wire. Uh, I'd love to trade for your waiver wire spot. Ooh. And if it's a if it's a if it's a team that doesn't know what they're doing, they'll say, "Oh, well, who's the player?" And then if you realize that you're not going to be able to make a trade, or maybe you think you can, you can mention who the player what, is. What, the, what is this? And that player will get picked. First up. of all, can you trade for waiver wire priority? You can trade. You could say, "Get that I mean, player you're, you're for me," and then I'll give you something for, for him. Right? Yeah. Oh, so but oh, that now that is interesting. You want Hunter Henry? You approach the team. You say, "Hey." I'll I'll trade right. you Look this on player. My bench, take the player you like from my bench, and I'll tell you who to pick More up. Starter. We start. Yeah, in the yeah in that situation, sure. That's fine. That's fine. All Not right. collusion. Yeah, I mean, if but you're trying to trade, you're trying, now I understand what Dave's getting at. Dave's essentially telling the guy what to do without telling him what to do. If you can't get the trade to happen, but I mean, if you want to get a player that's on waivers and somebody has that priority spot, yeah, you absolutely try to make a trade. Or can you just say, hey, you you take you take Hunter Henry on waivers. I'll give you this guy. Can you just right. do that? Okay. Well, yeah, Dave's talking about like a gray area for sure of just kind of name dropping oh, yeah. and hoping that he picks it up. <laughs> but I'm not I'm not suggesting that he do it to keep another team in the league from getting the player but, but, specifically. But, but at the time that this happened, I'm sure that conversation, I'm assuming, didn't happen since it's coming out now. Maybe. Well, thank you, everybody. This has been successfully regulated. We got an XFL show coming up. You'll hear it on Friday. For Dave. You, you did a regu- regulate, not a regulators. Reg- what? Is it one? Regulator. Singular. Yeah. Singular. We regu- yeah, regulator. For Jamie, for Dave, for Ben, I'm Adam. See ya. <laughs>